0: Hi everybody, this is Danielle Town. Welcome to Invested, the rule number one podcast. We're on hiatus this week and next week, but don't worry, you won't be missing Invested because we've pulled one of our favorite episodes from the archives about putting your money where your mouth is and investing your values. As you know, investing our values has become a core tenant for dad and I, and we think talking about what that means is extremely important and worth another listen. I hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to keep practicing reading your 10Ks, and we'll be back in September with new episodes to discuss. Thanks everybody. Bye.
1: All right. Well, hi everybody. I'm Phil Town.
0: I'm Danielle Town.
1: We're here to talk about Rule One style investing, which kind of talk comes about
0: forward. how on earth that fits into your life and
1: yeah. how to do it. Yeah. Kind of like the the way investing impacts your future is pretty significant, or it certainly could be. And, I like um, to think
0: about it as like a mindful practice.
1: Like a yoga thing. Yeah, like yeah. Like a Zen money thing.
0: I mean, it doesn't have to be Zen, but in the sense that um, it's integrated into your life and it's actually helpful to your life and adds to it instead of a chore that has to be done.
1: Oh, I sort of like that.
0: Yeah, well, let me tell you, I think about it like a chore, and probably most people <laughs> think about it like a chore. I think you're one of the few people that enjoys it.
1: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, we're going to have to make everybody enjoy it. I mean, and, and how do we go about doing that? How do? In fact, that's what this is all about. That's is what this, to, to, me, to, to me, that's what
0: this is all about.
1: The joy of money.
0: The joy of money. There we go.
1: So we're gonna we're gonna go into the joy. It's not even the joy of money. Everybody has the joy of money. I mean, that's well, not hard to enjoy. A lot of people have the joy of
0: no money. Yeah,
1: yeah. The pain of no money the versus the joy no of money. money. So I would say learning the joy of money is not really that hard. You know, we all pretty well got that down. But the joy of investing to get money is a little bit tougher.
0: Yeah, that sounds like an oxymoron.
1: <laughs> that's okay. a lot tougher in that case but we'll try to make it not an oxymoron. We'll try to make it so that it's like, yeah, this is really cool, I can do this. I
0: think that what I've been learning so far is that there are elements of things necessary to invest well that are interesting to me. For example, the research part of it. I like reading, I like learning about what's going on in the world, I like knowing the news. Those are all things that are necessary in order to choose a company wisely which I didn't know before. I mean, I knew kind of that you're supposed to do that, whatever, whatever, but now I can think about it in a way that's accessible to my life. Although I said last time that I haven't downloaded the Barron's app and I still haven't. <laughs> I intend to, you should remind me.
1: I think the reason that it's so kind of overwhelming to think about you know, doing the reading, doing the keeping up on the news, is that we, we don't realize that investing isn't this big generic thing. It's actually really, really focused on what Charlie Munger's been saying, which is those parts of the world that you're capable of understanding. And when you start to narrow it down to the things that you're actually interested in already, things become a lot more coherent, I think. So you're not just reading everything, you're reading for content in those areas that you're interested in. You know, what are you passionate about? You know, what do you love doing? And what do you what do you feel like you've got talents in? And where do you like to spend your money? And what do you do to earn it?
0: What do you want to know more about?
1: What do you want to know more about? Yeah, what's kind of fascinating? Because if I'm going to spend
0: time reading things, it had better be something I'm interested exactly. in. Exactly. Because that's time that's taken from something else. We all don't have enough time, especially if you're working a full-time job and you want to, like, have a life and have kids and whatever else is going on with you. Maybe exercise twice a week. The time you spend on investing stuff feels like time away from other things. But I've been trying to think to myself, how can I just integrate it into what I'm already doing? Like, I like to read the news. So I can just look at the news from a more company focused perspective. You know, what's going on in the business world? Okay, like add that to my nightly news reading. That's very simple, it doesn't take any extra time because I'm already doing it.
1: Well, we, we even make it easier, I think. At some point, you start to realize, wow, there's a relatively narrow number of companies and industries that I should be thinking about because otherwise I'm going to be overwhelmed. So I'm going to narrow it down and narrow it down to a group of things that I should be thinking about. And then what my reading and 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 sort of watching the news and that sort of thing involves is basically looking for an event that's happening in one of those areas. The, 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 the key word here is event because we're... Basically, Mister Market controls the price of everything, and he's pretty rational and puts the price pretty much at the value in the long run. But in the short run, events happen which create a lot of emotion. They 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 uh, increase short or long term uncertainty dramatically. And when it's just short term uncertainty, you'd think that you know these really smart guys from Harvard and Wharton that are that are managing all this money. You'd think they wouldn't be that upset by it. It's a short-term problem, you know. The, you know, whatever. The the cotton is getting torn up in the Arab Spring in Egypt. It's a short-term problem because if there's a big problem with the cotton crop worldwide, then Georgia will plant cotton. So if you if you realize that it's a relatively short-term phenomenon of a year or so, you'd think that it wouldn't change anybody. Nobody would panic about it because everybody's in it for the long run. But they're not. These hedge fund guys and these mutual fund guys are mostly in it for a month or two months or three months. They're all momentum investors. And if the momentum of that stock starts to go down because of increased uncertainty, even in the short term of like six months to a year, that stock is gonna get treated like it's got a disaster that's never gonna be fixed. And they're all gonna get out. And the price will go from $45 to $15 in six months. And so that's the sort of event that we're looking for if, let's say, cotton t-shirts happen to be, you know, if you happen to be into clothing and stuff, then cotton t-shirts are in the ballpark of being in your canyon, you know, in your area that you have expertise. So that's all, we're capable of understanding cotton t-shirts, we like the clothing industry, we've got this big thing going on in in Egypt that's changing the, the, the price of cotton and affecting these companies. And they come out in the news and they say, hey, we're being affected by this. And you happen to read that, You go, oh, boom, that's me. That one I understand, and I know something about this industry. So now I'm going to start learning about that business.
0: So that's a good way to get pointed towards certain companies? That's how you get
1: pointed, yeah. That's exactly how you get pointed. And we've got some other clever little tricks to get pointed as well. But it starts with the idea that you kind of have a part of the market that you are comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So like when I first started off, I was all into guns, Harleys. Oh yeah, guns
0: and motorcycles. Yeah,
1: guns and Harleys, man. I thought guns, Harleys and cruise ships. We
0: never got into the guns and motor- <laughs> Wait, cruise ships?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know. This is this
0: the is land of norovirus. This
1: is pre-you, by the way. Yeah, this is pre all that, too. Uh, this <laughs> before is just when they
0: came became moving cesspools of e- disease. Exactly,
1: this is before we knew and you know, you know. So The reason I was into those things is because those all had something to do with my life. You know, so I'd been in uh, the military and so I understood guns and um, I loved riding my Harley so I understood motorcycles and I was a river guide and so I understood cruise ships.
0: You understood cruise ships? Yep. From guiding tiny little boats in the Grand Canyon?
1: Yep, because all the time we'd go down there, we'd all sit around the campfire, the guides, when nobody was listening. And we'd go, someday I'm going to get on a cruise ship. And they're going to they're gonna take care of my meals. Somebody
0: else will cook for Somebody me. Somebody else will
1: row the boat. <laughs> Somebody else will handle the latrine. Exactly. Exactly. And then I started to realize, wow, they do the same thing I do. They just do it on a bigger boat. I do mine with six people, they do theirs with four thousand, you know? But it's essentially the same gig is you're going to cool places and you're taking people on this adventure and you gotta feed them and you gotta take care of them and you're a guide. So I I grokked cruise ships. You grocked. There's there's that word again. So, um, yeah, and, th- and so I, you, you can discover that you really know a lot more about the world than you think you do when you start digging in. I've had lots of people who have jobs where they thought, you know, they didn't have anything to do with investing world. They, people think of investing world as Goldman Sachs or something.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, they don't realize that, you know, if they're a school teacher, there are companies that compete with your public school. You know, K-12 education competes with your public school. And it's a public company, and you can buy stock in it if you think it's a good company. And if you happen to be a university professor, then you may not realize that there are companies that compete with that university, like Apollo Group or ITT Educational. um, Doing adult vocational education is a competitor. So you got Almost So if I'm sitting
0: here not realizing that, how would I go about starting to learn what kind of companies I may know more about than I even realize?
1: Well, I think you do the three-circle exercise. I think you, you sit down and you say – this, this came from Jim Collins at, at Stanford in, in the book Good to Great where he talks about how these guys who are running big corporations that are sort of not doing well – sat down and figured out what they could do to become great. And they did what's called the three circle exercises. Basically, what are we passionate about? What are we capable of being the best in the world at? And how would we make money doing that? And uh, Jim tells a story about his wife looking at this thing. And, and you know this, because I did this with you when you were a kid, is to think, what do you love? What do you think you could really be good at? And don't worry about the money, because if you put those two together, the money will come. And and, and Jim Collins writes about his wife who read this about businesses and said, Honey, I think that I, well, you know that I'm passionate about the triathlon and that I think I've got the talent to be the best in the world at it. And if I'm the best in the world at it, the money will follow. I'll get a Nike sponsorship. Um, and based on these three circles, that's, that's in my three circles. I want to go do that. And Jim said, Man, honey, I'm 100% behind you. Four years later, she won the Ironman. In Hawaii I mean it's incredible when you start to realize that listing things in all three of these circles can drive you you know not only what you might already know about but to what you might really want to be doing in your life I mean
0: yeah I don't love that uh, system (laughs) I think it's extremely simplistic and there are very few amongst us who are fortunate enough to love the thing that we're very good at or to be very good at the thing that we love
1: uh, well, there is that. I don't
0: think there's a lot of overlap there a lot of the time. But I think it can, you know, maybe it's still a good exercise well, as far it as like this. doing things in your life. Now, for investing, maybe it's different because if you don't have to like choose one thing that you're going to do 100% for, you know, 10,000 hours and get incredibly good at it. Like right. you're choosing a number of different things that you're interested enough to read about. And that's about it. Right. So it's a different kind of. Uh, pressure.
1: Well, in all fairness, I, I would say that I I think you should give this a little more credit than you are, because while we may not all be so lucky, as you said, to be really talented at what we really love, um, I'm not sure I agree with that. I, I think we're here for a purpose. I think we're born with, with a kind of a dharmic purpose. The idea being that when you get on to what you're supposed to be doing in this life, you are A, talented at it because you were born to do it and B, you're going to be passionate about it because you were born to do it.
0: I actually completely agree with that. I think it's very hard to figure that out. I, I oh, sure I think just by, you know, cr- sitting down and drawing circles. circles. Yeah. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, one of the
0: things that I continually find fascinating is co- new businesses, companies that show up in my world. And I had no idea that that industry even existed. Oh, you know, man. some like business to business kind of company yeah. where you would never think about it. One of my favorite examples is my friend who works at an insulation business. I've never in my life thought about insulation until she started running this business. And suddenly now I realize, of course, it's a massive business. Of course it is. It's in every single house, every single building. I've just never thought about it. You know, it's not something that someone's going to write down on their three circles, <laughs> running an insulation business.
1: Or or they, they write down in the three circles the things that would lead you to the insulation business maybe, but you don't know that they yeah. do. Like so- I really
0: believe in the maybe you call it a curvy method of life where you try to make the best decision you can at any given point. Sure. And that takes you hopefully to the next thing and you got to follow your instincts in order to get there and you'll feel it, I think, if you're if you're if you're trying to be attuned to what's happening. Well, I
1: 100,000% agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So that's a long way of saying I think the three circles is simplistic. But when it comes to investing, I can see how it's useful.
1: It can point you. It can point you. Right. And I think all the thing, the points you're making about what we do in our lives, you know, to get on Dharma, Dharma being what you're born to do sort of, um, and that, that kind of process that, that we go through, that, what do you call it, S turning?
0: Yeah, I think about Turn. it like like a curve, like a constant S curve, you're, you're, or you're like tacking in a sailboat, like you're always going in the wrong direction.
1: But ah, it's going to get you
0: there eventually. Exactly.
1: Do you just, know Emerson actually said that, actually? Oh. Yeah, he said, he said people are like boats tacking at sea. They're never going the direction they're actually going. Well, something you, something yeah, like exactly. that. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. And by the way, the other Emerson quote that I really love, and I, which I'll butcher here, is that people are like ships. We're not built to sit in the harbor. Mm. We rot in the harbor. We rot in the harbor. And I think that's valuable to think about in terms of investing because a lot of times we don't get investing into investing because we're a little bit afraid of it. We're afraid to sail our boat out of our nice, safe, little, you know, put your money into a diversified a index. I think
0: we are terrified.
1: <laughs> we're terrified of the high seas and what might happen. And there's good reason for And, oh, that. Lord, my boat's so there's small and the reason. seas are so there's big. There's
0: good reason to be afraid of the high seas.
1: Yeah, but the the gift, the 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 potential for you, the the reward for going out there is gigantic, not only in terms of the financial reward, but in terms of what it does in, to yourself, in terms of your own confidence in your own life. I mean, it's massive when you start to have great success as an investor, you start to realize, wow, I don't need to be in this horrible career that I'm in. I will not, maybe I got to do another three years or five years, but after that, I'm done. I can do whatever I want to do. you know, I can meet my obligations to my family because I mean, I'm opening up this possibility of making good returns for the rest of my life by doing this so the the man, the upside is so huge.
0: oh massive, yeah, it, there's just that little tiny hurdle of actually doing it,
1: yeah. So we're going to try to get you over that little hurdle. (laughs) So let me start with something that's fundamental to this that Warren Buffett said in in terms of getting over this hurdle. um, That is the the way he put this is that there are only two rules of investing. Rule number one is don't lose money. And rule number two is don't forget rule number one. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Now, most people at this point, Roll their eyes.
0: Yeah, it's a little trite. It's like, all right, fine, I get it. Don't lose money. Yeah, ha so ha. That's right there. was for saying. that advice. Yeah. Like
1: I didn't know that already. Right. Or or why didn't you just tell me buy low, sell high? And, and you know, <laughs> great. Thank you for the great wisdom.
0: Wow, you're so smart.
1: Except Warren but Buffett what, is smart. what I
0: want to know about is why. First of all, I mean, you clearly think that that's important. Why do you think it's important?
1: Well, first, consider who's saying it. This is not a guy that messes around and jokes around and makes a lot of funny little statements about that are cute. He's, this guy goes really deep. And this statement is extraordinarily deep. And we, we, we need to unpack it. The, basically, what he's saying is that when we're investing in and looking at placing our money right now where we have it in cash into something else where there's more risk than cash, that the focus of that decision has to be on not losing money. It should not be on making money. The making money will be the inevitable byproduct of this process of knowing that you're not gonna lose money on this investment. Okay, now keep in mind that we're not talking about, um, let me see, I don't want to lose money, so I'm going to go buy 30-year treasuries. We're talking about, I'm going to make investments in the stock market, in buying businesses, and the focal point of my research into that business to make a determination of whether I'm going to buy it or not is going to be whether or not I'm going to lose money. So this is this is really huge. Um, Monash Pabri talks about the Patel family. And his Monash is a... Fabulous investor, runs his own fund and has about a billion dollars under management and has a compounded rate of return in the 30% range. Wow. Oh, yeah. He's real good. And he, at a particular time, might own five or six stocks. Really? Yeah. Very, very focused investor.
0: Does he put a large amount of money into each one?
1: Yes. Right now, he's got, you know, 20% of his portfolio in one company. Wow. Right? So very focused investor. And by the way, this is fundamental to Warren Buffett's investing style, Charlie Munger's. Charlie owns four stocks right now. Warren Buffett has about 65% of his money in four stocks.
0: Yeah, I guess I find that so interesting and surprising because I, probably most people including me, think of Warren Buffett as being this sort of like man on a hill who does his own thing and other people emulate it, but it's not quite the same. So it's it's interesting to hear about somebody else that has a huge amount of money under management and is still only investing in a couple of companies.
1: Oh yeah, I can I can start going down the list. Um, like, there's so many of these really good investors out there, but people don't know who they are. And um, but they are the guys who get long-term rates of return that are 20% and above. They all tend to invest in a similar kind of a style, and that style is to not diversify they're very focused in their investing on just a, a few companies that they understand well and that have big um, durable competitive advantages they like the guys who are running the company and they bought them on sale it's Charlie Munger 101 right so what um, they all do though is they all focus on this rule number one and so I've over the years sort of come to call these guys the rule one investors, right? Because they're so focused on this rule. And all of the amateurs out there who don't know about investing roll their eyes at the rule thinking it's a trite little statement that's cute and not meaningful. It's anything but. It's absolutely critical to understand um, this is the focal point of the research. If I invest in this thing, what happens if things don't go well? That's where we're looking. Because if I can make sure that the downside is extremely limited, then occasionally I'm gonna get the upside right. I'm gonna be in a company where I hit the thing out of the park and I get the home run and big return. And if I'm good at this, I have that happen more often than not. But if I'm really careful about having none of the businesses that I invest in lose money, then I don't have to get it right that often. Just as an example, let's say that I invest in 10 companies and three out of 10 just take off and I double my money in a matter of a year or two. And the other seven don't just take off. Maybe I made a mistake in how I looked at it and so on. But when I discover that the story has changed from what I thought it was, I sell them and I don't lose any money. Then overall my rate of return is going to be up. It's it's gonna be up. Does that make sense? Yeah, you
0: don't lose money because the stock price didn't change.
1: Or, yeah, or it came, or yeah, the stock price didn't change. It it didn't go down from where I bought it. Not significantly, because I bought it at such a great price. And that's why Charlie Munger says look, the first three things understand the business, the moat, and the management team. Those things, if you get them right, will give you a wonderful business. And in the long run, a wonderful business will take care of you. You'll be able to sell it for more than you paid for it. Now, because of the vicissitudes of life. Right.
0: It's I a, feel very weird not playing that Charlie quote, by the way. I know, have played it so
1: many times. It's but,
0: a little like that's our security blanket.
1: Anybody who's listened to us this far has probably got it memorized, like so we're all right. <laughs> but the vicissitudes uh, of life can can make it so that you it doesn't turn out the way you thought it would. And therefore, you need to buy it with a big margin of safety. And Charlie and Manesh and I and all the investors like us try to buy those companies at one half of what they're worth as a, as a public company. One half of what they should be priced at if the market wasn't worried about something. And um, when we do that, we have more often than not limited the downsize risk substantially. That the down from here isn't very far down. We're down about as much as it's gonna get. You know, so if we step in on an investment that's gone from $45 where it was properly priced, that was actually the intrinsic value or retail value of the business, that's what it's worth, and the price has gone down to $15, most of the real risk has been taken out of owning this company already if whatever is making it go on sale is a short-term event. You know? So essentially you buy, you wait, and either you were right in your story and it goes back up to $45 and you triple your money, or you were wrong and it goes nowhere because that's the new real price of that company. And so you sell it for what you paid for it.
0: If you buy a stock and it roughly stays the same, over how much time are we talking about, by the way?
1: Um, I don't, you know, five years. Okay. Something like that.
0: All right, so five years later, it's roughly the same. Do you consider that a win since you didn't lose money?
1: Yeah, that's a win. Or
0: is that just sort of like, eh, all right, no, that, no. that was a neutral day?
1: That's a win. Because our, our rule is, there's one rule, don't lose money. So if you are successful in applying that rule to a company, five years later, you haven't lost any money on it, that's a win. Absolutely.
0: Even though conceivably you could have deployed that money into a company that was going to make money.
1: Right. So it's, Or maybe
0: into a riskier company.
1: Right, you could have. Um, But think of the value of this as sort of a psychological protection against the emotional rule of investing. The emotional rule of investing says that I don't know what I'm doing so the moment that I buy a company, it will go down like a brick. And if I don't buy it, it'll go up like a rocket ship. The,
0: yeah, oh, that's so true. I'm the
1: one who decides. I'm the
0: one who controls
1: it. <laughs> and, and that's because I don't know what's going on. I don't know the value of the business. And so I'm all connected to the price. But if we're buying a wonderful business, which is the fundamental criteria, right, before we buy anything, and we're buying it with very low downside, we've really fulfilled the two obligations that we have as a as an investor in the Warren Buffett School, or what, what he calls the Graham and Doddsville School of Investing. We've really fulfilled that. So Manesh Prabhai says it his own way, right? Warren Buffett says there's two rules of investing. Rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number two, don't forget rule number one. Manesh says um, what I want is is very low loss, you know, keep my losses really limited if I lose with a massive upside if I win. Hmm. And essentially if we're buying a company for 50% of what it's worth, that's a pretty massive upside if you're right. It's going to go double your money in a relatively short period of time, you hope. And if you're wrong, you can get out with a very small loss or no loss at all, or maybe even a little gain. This is the great secret of investing. It's, to me, it's just obvious that's such the right way to invest. Because then you are buying low and hopefully selling high, but if you're wrong, you just sell it for the low that you bought it for, and you get out.
0: Do you think that having rule number one be a negative rule? don't lose money versus do X makes you feel limited?
1: No, I think it makes you feel smart. I think it makes you feel, I think it puts your thinking in tune with the great investors of all time. Um, Buffett, Munger, Graham, all of these guys. And and what they all have said, and Buffett said clearly many, many times, is that optimism is the enemy of great investing results. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, the whole secret, right? Like, you know, put your attention on, you know, it's all good and. Like
0: right. the video, the secret?
1: Yeah, the video, the secret. <laughs> this is sort of, and like, you know, the power of positive thinking. Right, what you that.
0: put your attention on grows.
1: Yeah, these guys are all about, you know, wanting to see the big upside, but they're realists. They're, they're very pragmatic investors. Um, and so anybody that's ever worried about losing money when they're investing money, that's what, you need to have that gene in order to be a great rule one investor. What gene? The one about I'm worried about losing money. Oh. If you've never felt that way, if you like to go roll the dice, you know, if you're the kind of person that can put everything you own on red and spin the wheel, you know, rule one's probably gonna be too boring for you and you need to just go out there and pray to God you, you come out a winner. But most, uh, everybody that I know worries about their money eventually. And that worry is a first step to getting on the trail of being a great investor. You know, you should worry about the downside.
0: You actually use the fear. Because that fear is paralyzing in so many people. It's so much safer to not put your money in the stock market at all than it is to put it in any company in the stock market, no matter how much research you've done, in terms of how you feel. It feels so much safer.
1: I'm sitting here just thinking, you know, it's been so long since I've sort of been, actually, I've never been in that place in my whole life. Yeah, maybe
0: you're the wrong person to ask about that.
1: Because I I didn't think about the stock market at all, right? I didn't even know what it was or anything about it. You know, our family doesn't come from that kind of money. And so when I started investing, it was an absolute fluke. I mean, it was like karma or something, you know. Guy in the Grand Canyon takes me under his wing, and I'm suddenly an investor a year later. And... So I never had that step in the middle where you know I had a lot of fear around investing because I never had any money and I never had a thought about investing it, the money that I didn't have. So I stepped in That's already loaded I up. I think
0: most people are the exact opposite. <laughs> they've accumulated some money. They've diligently saved. This is all the money that we have. And oh my God, what are you supposed to do with it?
1: Well, you're right. And I, I honestly, I've always thought that I had a huge advantage having everything that I own in a black rubber bag about one foot by two feet. <laughs> because I was, there was no downside for me of, of going forward and learning this and going, so I never had the fear about it. Um, for a couple of reasons, actually. W- one of them was I didn't have any money anyway. I was already broke, so what can they do to me? You know, I'm gonna get broker? I'm, I'm as broke as you can get. It doesn't get broker than that. So what's my downside? In effect, it's kind of like guerrilla warfare for money. You know, It's like if you've got nothing, you're in a very powerful position. You just don't realize it. You have to use that as, as a way to motivate yourself and realize there's no down for you. Whereas people who do have money and have accumulated money and have a few hundred thousand dollars, there's a big downside there. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah. To think about, my that's God, I could lose this.
0: Right there. It's
1: your life's work right there. And often it's your life of not loving what you're doing that's represented by those yeah, money. That you want to get out of this life and get into this new life that you're going to really enjoy. And you've accumulated money for that. Last thing you want to do is lose it. So the idea that you're going to take control of this is much scarier for people with assets than it is for people without them.
0: Well, how on earth do people with without assets invest anything when they don't have it? Man, you're asking
1: the right guy. I started with zero, you know? So you just accumulate. I mean, a, that's
0: everyone's problem. We all don't have enough assets.
1: <laughs> and actually, there are some wonderful tools that you can use to, to grow assets relatively yeah, quickly. Yeah, that's probably
0: another subject. Which we should talk let's about another time. stipulate that somehow, magically... People with no assets can still invest.
1: Yeah, I mean, I started with $1,000 and in five years I had 1.45 million. So you, I mean, I'll, and I'll teach you guys how, how you can do that down the road, but let's just stipulate you can do it. Okay. That there's a way to do that without taking super risk or anything like that. You're just going forward in a really comprehensive way and following the path that's been beaten. This is well beaten path by Ben Graham and Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, you know, Buffett didn't come from money, and he started with very little money and built the biggest fortune in the world. So there's a well-known path, and we'll teach you how to do that. Stipulating that. Fair enough? Fair enough. What does stipulating mean, anyway?
0: It means that we agree to it, but not, not necessarily that it's true.
1: Is that what it means? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think it's true.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Did you just tell me you agree to it even though it's not true?
0: No, it's not necessarily that we agree that it's true. It could be true, or it could not be true. We have not discussed the trueness of it.
1: Oh. We're
0: just agreeing to it now for the purposes so of our discussion. So although
1: I'm saying it's true...
0: I am saying neither,
1: neither trueness true nor or non false, or...
0: false is a good word for non-trueness, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we've stipulated.
0: We've stipulated.
1: Well done, Counselor. And so now we are going to move forward on this notion that what does it really mean to say... You invest with a focus on not losing money, okay? Yeah,
0: because I hear a negative. I hear, don't do something. And, I, and that makes me have a feeling of, oh, okay, why not? and it's a it's a it's a fear-based feeling however subtle i mean this is not a i'm not afraid of those words it's just a, a sense of don't do something there's a rule there there's a barrier well
1: it's almost as if <laughs> as you're as opposed
0: to do something go forth
1: go go forth and make money buy
0: low and sell high and oh make, i'm so excited
1: the secret of investing is to make millions
0: exactly i'm so thrilled what a brilliant Let podcast me do all this of is that.
1: yes making millions but is the secret but it's just
0: like don't lose money
1: Right, which is a real downer. That's what it's you're a, basically saying. It's a downer.
0: It's a little bit uh, It's a little bit of like a barrier is how I would describe it. You know why I think you describe I it that way? Because I don't want to lose money.
1: You don't want to think about it like that. It's scary for you to think about doing something where losing money is an actual real possibility. I think that's Absolutely. the problem.
0: That's everyone's problem.
1: So really kind of what you're saying is don't tell me that's the rule of investing because... Like you want to put your hands over your ears and and la, 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 la. Yeah. And put your money someplace. Yeah. Without really thinking about it.
0: I want to be inspired, not, eh, don't lose money.
1: Okay. So you'll go off and you'll invest in in real estate or a bond because you feel better. that I don't have to worry about losing money. That's not even on the table, the losing money part. Well,
0: oh, I don't know about real estate, but maybe a bond. Okay.
1: Well, with a bond, let's say. Yeah. Okay, so we gotta. Let's say that is a fairly significant emotional hurdle that we've got to get over, and we don't need to get over it by pretending that you can't lose money when you're investing in the stock market.
0: No, exactly, and I think a lot of people do deal with it by pretending.
1: Oh, so do I, and I think the whole financial. I think we financial... do that in
0: many areas of our lives. Oh, we, uh, we man. We feel the fear and it's painful to feel it and so we avoid it yeah. immediately without ever even going through those steps of oh there's fear i therefore will avoid it you don't even notice that part it's just immediate oh. Now I'm going to move on to the next thing. Exactly. Like that's right my, now. That's my voice version uh, of it. Uh. Uh.
1: And, and, and right now people are going, uh, I don't even want to listen to this podcast because uh, they might talk me into investing my own money. And, uh, I want to just give it to someone else.
0: Yeah. Give it to someone else. Give it to someone else. And I'm
1: not going to open the monthly reports. I'm not going to open them because. Uh. Please, God, let it be
0: OK. Yeah.
1: And so we and live with this. sometimes
0: it is and sometimes it not
1: Oh, isn't. my gosh. Sometimes it's not so OK for like 20 years. And you know, it's not going to be very fun if you're a baby boomer and you have not wanted to deal with this. Right. And now you're in that 40% market well, drop and, and you got to get your money.
0: I'm not a baby boomer, but I don't want to deal with it. And everyone I know doesn't want to deal with it.
1: Yeah. And
0: we're so busy doing other stuff that it's like it's another thing to do slash it's a scary thing to do.
1: Yes. Yes. And those
0: two things are enough to not do it.
1: Yes. And so my lovely agent, Bonnie Solo, who I just adore and love and who has, you know, read my books and, and loves what I do and trusts me totally. And she does not want to learn to invest yes.
0: because she's I got a it.
1: busy life. She's got other things she wants to do and she would just please rather have somebody take the responsibility for her money.
0: That's what it is, it's the responsibility.
1: Yeah, well there's a couple problems with that. (laughs) (laughs) That don't have anything to do with making money, actually. One of them is that your money is a vote for a certain kind of world. How you spend it and how you invest it are encouraging some companies And because you don't invest it or spend it there, they are discouraging other companies. True. Those are really critical votes. And interestingly enough, you take all of our little guy money, all of the money that we have from the teachers and the guys who work and the lawyers and the people who are working in in unions, put it all together, that's the vast majority of the money in the stock market. The biggest investors in the stock market are the California Teachers Pension Fund. So it's little guy money that big guys on Wall Street are investing. Okay, now here's here's my idea. That when you give your money to a Wall Street guy, you are handing your money over to someone who doesn't share your values necessarily. They have their own value set or they don't have a value set when it comes to money. Jim Cramer said it's completely wrong to tie your moral values to your investing. Completely wrong to do that. And many people don't want to hear about how you should be thinking morally when you're investing money.
0: I love the idea that we're taking moral advice from Jim (laughs) Cramer.
1: Fair enough, but I like Jim. I know Jim, and I tell you, he's a nice guy, but he doesn't think that morals and money should be said in the same (laughs) sentence. That is evident. Yeah, and I just, I just shrink back at that, because to me, our money represents a vote that you've earned to place into the world and say, I vote for this kind of grocery store, not that kind of grocery store. I vote for this kind of food, not that kind of food. I mean, for example, when you go to Walmart and you buy pork, you've just voted for the moral code that Walmart places on its pork suppliers. And its moral code is very simple. Give us pork at the cheapest possible price. And we will keep squeezing you forever to get that price down. And as a result of that squeezing, Smithfield Foods, who supplies pork to Walmart, decided, gosh, the only way we can meet this incessant demand for lower prices for pork at Walmart as their supplier is to stick hogs into a container, a a metal bar container, the size of a coach seat, and you got a 300-pound hog in this coach seat for her entire life.
0: It's, I can't. I don't even want to hear about no, it. No, we're going to so talk horrible. about that. It's, it's so horrible.
1: We're going to say this, because when you don't pay attention to your money, your money is being voted for heinous crap like that. It's being voted by your fund manager for those companies. It's saying, yay, Walmart, yay, Smithfield, go for it, Yeah. Go for the dehumanizing activities that you have going on in your in your pig shop, in your industrial pig plant that is dehumanizing the people who work there. They have to, they have to deal with the fact that they're poisoning this pig, and they're, they're, they're sticking it full of antibiotics to keep it alive, and it's got sores on its body, and, and it's, it's in pain and suffering and misery for its entire life, and you're doing that to that pig on purpose, okay? and your money that you're not paying attention to is being invested in those companies who perpetuate that inhumane activity.
0: I mean, I think that's such an important reason and it is still not enough. (laughs) I hate to say it because I so utterly agree with you. All
1: right, then let me make it enough. But it's not
0: enough for me to risk my entire imaginary nest egg that I don't have. (laughs) If I had one, it's not enough for me to risk it. I hate to say that, but it's true. Like I'd rather, I'll I'll go buy my eggs at, you know, a good place and I don't buy the pork stuff. And that's the extent of what I can do on that.
1: And you continue to let these guys vote for these guys. You let them vote for this stuff in the world. While you were against it. Which makes you a hypocrite. It is. You're a, you become a moral hypocrite, and you're not alone. We all have that to some degree, but consider the level of hypocrisy where you're saying, This is horrible. I can't even think about the torturous thing these people are doing. It's completely wrong. Oh, and by the way, I own the company.
0: Yeah, it's the worst. I mean,
1: I. It's not the worst. God. It's not possible. You can't do that. You can't be that person who owns that company. You own Smithfield I'm dead. and Walmart.
0: People can be hypocrites. It is possible. That's why there's a word for it.
1: Uh, uh, this just kills me.
0: I know, it's horrible. I completely What agree. kills me is you're
1: sitting there going, no, "I don't," but I don't care enough to is change it. Is it
0: important enough to risk your entire life savings for it? That's the question. Of course
1: it is. If you had, even if you had to, and we're not, obviously we're not talking about you taking more risk in the market. Rule number one investing, to put this in context, gives you higher rates of return with less risk than you're taking in your mutual fund. So the very thing you're putting your money into to avoid the risks that you're talking about is riskier than the investing strategies that I use. Riskier. And yet, because you don't know that. It's because,
0: that's right, it's because you you don't feel confident
1: in that. So, Let me just say this to all of our listeners out there. Your values matter. Go to a Whole Foods store, look above the door, going into a Whole Foods store. And there John Mackey placed these words, values matter.
0: I think it might only be at that one store that we just went to, but it was pretty awesome.
1: Well, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Because they're talking both in terms of like getting a good deal when Mm -hmm. you go in there Mm -hmm. and also your moral value system, your character matters.
0: And obviously that's part of Whole Foods' marketing system is to make everyone who walks in there think, oh, I'm doing such a good thing by walking into the store. Yes. But you kind of are.
1: They're kind but of you correct. you are. You are doing it. So, okay, so they've got this values matter. And I love that because they do matter. Because what you vote for gets stronger in the world. What you vote for with your money gets stronger in the world. And not putting your attention on it doesn't make it change. It doesn't make it go away.
0: Right. It's burying your head in the sand. It is.
1: Now, let me give you one more little thing that I think, and you don't have to agree with me, but I think that you reap what you sow. I think there's karma in the world. And I think that that idea goes across all cultures, that when you put something out into the world, when when you're supporting something in the world, that the fruit of that something the crop that gets harvested, comes back and visits you in some way. It visits you generations deep. And so if you believe that, then it's not going to be quite so easy to just say, I'm okay with being a hypocrite. Because what you're basically saying is, okay, God, come on back and kick my butt in some way in the future for this bad stuff that I'm doing today.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I think that there's a third way. That avoids the the butt-kicking? No. The ways that you've described are give your money to some other person who may invest it then in companies opposite to your own values. Right. Or invest it yourself in companies that follow your own values. Right. The third way is not to do anything and to put your money maybe in a CD or a T-bill.
1: Okay. Which... By and the way, this that is the way the CD, that a
0: lot
1: of people go. The C D supports a company. So you gotta scratch that one off the list. All you can do maybe is put your money in a T bill or sit it in the bank. And if people want to go that way, God bless them because they're in the very, very small percentile of people who will ever retire if yeah, they go that yeah, way.
0: That's,
1: yeah, that's so there's you. your other there's Great. your other squeezy part. Man. It's gonna push you back and make you deal with this. Because you just you either have to invest hypocritically and, and reap the bad karma or you're gonna have to learn this or you're gonna have to take really low investing results and hope to God you make a lot of money in your career. So you never have to think about it at all.
0: You occasionally tell people to invest in indexes if they don't want to indices if they don't want to do their own investing. How does that follow with this? Oh yeah.
1: Okay. Let's Okay, fair enough. We'll end on this one.
0: Oh no, we're NDO.
1: I've ducked that one a little bit just to be nice. Because people who don't want to invest or you know, I don't want to just leave them with the and you're damned if you you know fire and brimstone and you're going to hell because you're a hypocrite. And you know. So I I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on on defending that excessively. It's it's just an out. But I'll tell you that we started this podcast by talking about Warren Buffett's rule number one and rule number two, and we're going to have to come back to that and really get into it because we wandered off into the weeds of values, which ultimately are not the weeds. Ultimately, your values and, and having strong character are fundamental to being able to do the kind of investing we do. So let's get some more into that.
0: Yeah, I, Next time. I agree with that. That's what I'm starting to learn from our discussions um, it's, is that there's there's a lot of it's, – it's kind of like personal psychology in a way of like dealing with your own fear, dealing with your own confidence in your own decisions and in your own research and in your own opinion of what's happening. That stuff is hard. Yep. It's hard in many contexts, and it's particularly hard when you're about to put money on the line – that can affect your entire life. And there's so much just personal...
1: Uh, character. It's character issues. Yeah, maybe that's issues. a good word for it. It's really character. It's self-knowledge. It's who you are. It's character issues. And I would love to get back into that. Let's do it next time.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about um, <laughs> what don't lose money means since we never talked about <laughs> maybe we
1: should Maybe we should <laughs> talk about that as well. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So until then, time to go play. Bye. Thanks for listening to Invested, the Rule One Podcast. If you like us, please subscribe and leave a review for us on iTunes. You can get our notes and links for this podcast and post comments about this show and get more information about how to invest on your own by going to ruleonepodcast.com. Everything we've discussed in this podcast is either Danielle's opinion or my opinion and is not to be taken as investment advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you've enjoyed it. So until next week, it's time to go play. See ya.